Blog Talk Radio. And right now, it's big fight time. Live in Las Vegas, Trevor Burbick and Mike Tyson are about to battle it out for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. Boxing, and today we are talking about three of the greatest performances of Roberto Hands of Stone Duran. And I am joined once again by my boxing expert, One Silver. What's up, man? Hey, good evening, Logan. Good, good evening, fight fans. As we talk about the one man who's universally regarded as the greatest Hispanic Latin fighter of all time, the one and only, the Hands of Stone, Roberto Duran. Yes, man, and uh, what a career. I mean, kind of a, a Shawn Michaels-like career in many ways, wouldn't you say? No. <laughs> Shawn Michaels, if you compare a wrestler to a boxer, if you say Shawn Michaels a boxer, it wouldn't be a pimple on Roberto Duran's ass. No, I, I, I was just saying that uh, Roberto Duran had a resurgence in his career, much like Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but, he, had uh, of, he had a couple of resurgences that we'll talk about in, in this right in this program um about two or three times in his career he was written off and he'd come back and he'd surprise the world yes indeed and uh you could argue that his last run or his last was almost his best one right i mean uh no no his best run was being lightweight champion of the world 1972 to 1978 where okay so the first run is definitely better than all the rest the greatest lightweight of all time roberto duran Indeed, uh, and when you look at this guy fight, I mean, it's just, it's a clinic in uh, in all kinds of tricks, and also the psychology, man, like the way he pisses off his opponents, it gets them to fight his fight, and we're going to talk about that when we get through. In, history, in the history of boxing, the two greatest ring psychologists that could fuck with your head and put you out of your game were Muhammad Ali and Roberto Durant. That's correct, man. And uh, there's something about, like, his, uh, the way he, you know, promotes a fight. He just, he managed to get under the skin of his opponents, and uh, that's part of his tactics. So we'll see that. Mention this in the Sugar Ray Leonard greatest performances. In their first fight, and we also mentioned this in the greatest fight series where we talked about Leonard Durant won. The first Leonard Durant fight, Leonard slugged with Durant because Durant kept making derogatory comments towards Sugar Ray and his wife, he even told uh, Sugar Ray's wife, Juanita, um, after I knock your man out, you could be with a real man and you could suck my dick. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's all part of it, man. This is a fight, and any edge you can get, and sometimes that uh, psychological edge means everything, as we'll see. So uh, we're going to start from the beginning here. Uh, he's, he comes coming out of Panama, 
how many? I mean, what other fighters have come out of Panama that uh, well, we know there of? Been, there have been a, pl- a plethora of great Panamanian fighters. He's the best. He's the greatest Panamanian fighter of all time. Period. But there, there's another Hall of Fame fighter from Panama, Panama Al Brown. He was the first great Panamanian fighter. Um, it's funny. In in Panama, there are two stadiums named after athletes: Pamela Al Brown Stadium and Roberto Duran's uh, the Roberto Duran Arena. And those are the two greatest fighters in the history of Panama. Other great fighters to come out of Panama: Eladio Zapata, one of the greatest junior flyweights of all time, a man that has yet to make the the International Boxing Hall of Fame, but I believe one day he will. Eusebio Pedroza. Great featherweight champion of the late seventies, early eighties, who's in the who's in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. So Panama has a rich tradition of boxing, um, on the level of Puerto Rico, but below Mexico and Argentina. When you talk about Latin countries, Mexico first, Argentina second, and Puerto Rico and Panama will fall right behind them, along with Cuba. And the only reason Cuba doesn't have a richer history is because of the Castro embargo. Once the Castro took over. In 1959. Okay, so, but, I mean, you even said that uh, Duran is probably the best Latin fighter ever. Yes, yes. If you if you ask me who the three greatest Latin fighters of all time, I would go Duran one, Carlos Monzon two, and the guy we spoke about last time on the program, Alexis Arguello three. All right, now, what would you call Duran, a, a, a boxer puncher or what? He's he he's he could do it all. He's more of a puncher than a boxer. But as you can see in these three fights, when he boxes, he's a phenomenal boxer because he's got a great left jab, something that a lot of punchers do not. Ha- I mean, he's an inside fighter, but he's an inside fighter who could who could dominate the fight outside as well as inside because of that lethal jab of his and phenomenal head movement for a guy who's a slugger. Yeah, and uh, that jab, it, even against taller guys, it looked like he had the longer reach. I mean, even though he didn't, but just the, the way o- he... only The only two guys that his jab weren't effective against were Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Harris. And Tommy Harris destroyed him in two. And and the first fight, there was no jab. They just went toe-to-toe. Uh, yeah. the, the third fight, Leonard dominated by staying outside and using the jab. And Wilfred, Wilfred, Wilfred Benitez... Durant couldn't get inside Benitez, as we spoke about in Benitez's great performances. But when it came to guys, his other fighters like Esteban de Jesus and Davey Moore, two guys we'll talk about in this program, who had tremendous jabs, Durant's jab was able to uh, neutralize their jab. Yeah, well, he's. it looks like his, his tactic is to just outwork his opponent, uh, and with, mainly with that jab, but he always... It's always to the pace of the opponent. It's like he doesn't work more than he has to. He just he seems to match the speed of the person. Another thing that we'll we'll discuss and we'll see in these three fights is he's one of the greatest body punches of all time, and he wears you yes. down. And all three of these fights, his well, not 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 so much the Quavers fight, and the and the fights with uh, De Jesus and Davy Moore, his body work is phenomenal and breaks him down to the point where when he knocks him out, that's it. They're done. Yeah, he softens the fuck out of him with those body punches. And there's there's one other thing I wanted to mention 
Oh, I lost my train of thought. Continue. Well, he, he he really seems to have a ring awareness too, in the sense that he knows where to lay those little little bit low blows when the ref's not looking. Oh, you know, Duran is the master of the dirty tricks, as he'll lace yeah. you, he'll hit you with a thumb, he'll hit you with a low blow, and he rarely was penalized throughout his career. <laughs> That's because he always knew where the ref was standing. Yeah. And and he would always punch outside of the view of the ref. It was hilarious. Durant's boxing IQ, only a few guys were on that level. I would say Ali, Sugary Leonard, Sugary Robinson, Archie Moore, Bernard Hopkins, those are, and Floyd Mayweather. That's the type of boxing IQ Durant had on the level of those guys. Yes. So take us through his early career up until the first fight we talk about. Roberto Duran won the Undisputed Lightweight Championship in 1972 by knocking out Ken Buchanan of Scotland. Um, and he knocked him out with a low blow. He hit him the, He hit him with a low blow all the way below the nuts. And um, Buchanan rolled on the ring. And the referee told Buchanan, look, you can't win on this qualification. Get up. Buchanan couldn't get up. Duran was already beating the hell out of him. He, he just beat the hell out of Buchanan. He wins the title in Madison Square Garden, which begins a six-year career, a six-year domination of the lightweight division that was never dominated like that before. There have been a lot of great lightweights, but Duran dominated. He only lost one fight in six years, and that was in a non-title fight to Esteban de Jesus. He would avenge that loss uh, less than two years later by knocking out de Jesus in Panama, and then finally... This fight in 19, early 1978, the third and final fight, was to unify Duran's WBA title and the Jesus, the Jesus WBC title. Now, it didn't make the WBC when when Jose Suleiman took over the WBC in the early 70s. He began stripping um, fighters of that were already undisputed champions of their WBC title. He stripped Duran. It made no sense. The Jesus would win that title. And this, the first fight we're talking about from 1978 is the unification of the WBC and WBA title held in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, there is, this is where you see a Duran with a relentless jab. I mean, just never stopping that jab, no matter what. That thing was just constantly beating the fuck out of his opponent here. And, 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 and it's like it was such a great opener for all the other punches he wanted to throw. And he just, it would frustrate this guy. I just saw, like, him just taking apart this guy with the jab. Great comment there. Great comment. This fight was held January 21st, 1978, at this Caesars Palace. And you're right. And um, one thing I want to mention about the Jesus, Esteban the Jesus was a tremendous boxer, and he was trained by Wilfred Benitez's father. And if you notice, Logan, his style was very similar to Benitez. He was a mover. And those were the type of fighters that gave Duran problems, were guys that could box. Trigory Leonard, Esteban de Jesus, and Wilfred Benitez were, were three of his early losses. Those guys beat him because they made a miss and they boxed all night long. Duran losing the first fight to, to de Jesus, and he took him, took him very, very lightly, changed up his style, and the second fight was relentless. This fight, the third fight, was an even different strategy he used in the first two fights. As in the first two fights, he was more he, he fought a lot inside and was and was trying to outslug the Jesus. In this fight, he actually outboxed the boxer. 
Yeah, and he managed to, even though De Jesus had a bigger reach than him, he he looked like he had the longer arm, but it was just because he was able to stay just outside and still get that jab in consistently. I would think I would also mention about this fight. You, that you, that's very correct what you're saying. Uh, great insight into the fight as far as what you just said. In this third fight, the Jesus moved more in this fight than the first and second fight combined. In the first two fights they fought, the Jesus would move, but just enough to make Duran miss and land his vaulted uh, right cross. In this fight, he moved a lot without throwing a lot of punches, and I think that was the effect of the body work that Duran was doing throughout this fight. Well, he was trying to get uh, Duran. I mean, I think that it would have been better for him to stay outside of Duran. But instead, as I said, Duran stayed outside of him. And Duran would come in and fight on the inside and then get, you know, the much better uh, of, of the exchanges. I mean, the most exciting rounds in this fight, I thought, were the fourth, the eighth, and then, of course, the last one. Uh what, what did you think about these? I mean, what, talk about this fight. Like, go, go through it a little bit. Basically, a lot of the rounds were very similar because the fight was Durant outboxing Jesus, and then when they get inside, Durant would rip the body with devastating combinations. Now, the jab was the key element in this fight. Durant's usage of the jab in this fight was phenomenal. He out-jabbed Jesus throughout the entire fight, and I don't think Jesus will ever out-jab up until this point in his career. He was, I mean, he must have trained that jab unbelievably because he was just taking that thing and, and throwing it at every single moment of the and fight. What I loved about the jab, Logan, is when he connected, he went through Jesus' face. It wasn't just, you know, a lot of guys just pour the jab out there. No, his jab was with his entire body behind it. Yeah, he had a way of throwing it, too, that just would elude every kind of way of getting away from it. And then, of course, he'd come in with those, uh, with, you know, with the, the right cross and then and, and then those uppercuts, man. It just, yeah, it, it would just take his guy apart, and it would piss him off, too. You could tell that it was frustrating. It was frustrating. It was frustrating because he wasn't hitting Durant like he did in the first two fights. In the first two fights they fought, he knocked Durant down both times in the first round. In this fight, he wasn't landing as cleanly as he did in the first two fights. Durant made a miss throughout the entire fight, even though Durant was right in front of him. Durant slipped almost every punch he gave him. And the ones he did, he took a few really hard shots. But Durant, of course, has a, not only hands of stone, but he has a chin of stone. One of the five greatest chins in boxing history. If you don't land, even if you land flush, you got to stay on your toes because he's coming right back at you. And Durant never showed. If Durant's hurt, he won't show it. I mean, but his attack here, he was, yeah, he was staying on the outside, but he wasn't running. He was attacking from the outside. And yes, it because it, it all, all predicated on the usage of his jab. Yeah. Just uh, some, some hellacious, uh, uh, yeah, just straight jab there. And then, and then the short rights that he would throw were just devastating Durant, when he was in. Durant had one of the greatest right crosses in the history of boxing, especially at lightweight. Most Latin fighters, their great punch is the left hook. Duran's key was the right hand. There's always been a myth that his trainer, Ray Arcel, said that when he first met Duran, when Duran was 15 years old, he knocked out a horse with his right hand. Yeah, well, he could definitely uh, knock out an elephant with that thing. And, and, but at the same time, he was he was slipping, slipping punches. He, I mean, like, like Mayweather. Because 
Durant's head moved like a bobblehead. Durant was one of the most, what you would call it, um, underrated defensive fighters of all time. You know what I mean? Durant had a Durant had a goddamn Durant had a thirty-five year uh, boxing career. You don't last thirty-five years boxing without great defense. Absolutely, and and he had you know that was uh, something that Mike Tyson did pretty well in his early career. Up up until he left Kevin Rooney. Yeah, Tyson, that, that would be a perfect example of, of an inside fighter that can make you miss. And um, the ending of this fight comes in the thirteenth round. The Jesus knows he's behind, so he he begins to. No, I'm sorry, the twelfth round, the the last round, the twelfth round. The Jesus knows he's way behind. His, his trainers tell him that. And so he, he engages Duran in a slugfest in which Duran welcomes, and he walks into a hellacious right cross. And the Jesus goes down. I got to give the Jesus credit. A lot of heart. He got back up. Duran just destroys him. Apollo kills him. I mean, the uh, Jesus out on his feet. The referee's slow in stopping it because Duran lands a couple of punches there that shouldn't have landed because the Jesus, the ropes is holding him up. Yeah, I was. Th- I think his corner had to stop it, right? Because uh, no, it was... you're right. the referee didn't stop it. The corner stopped it because he, he's up against the ropes unconscious. Yeah, I mean, Duran hit him while he was down a little bit, I, and I think that caused a little bit of a controversy there because uh, he, uh, no, he had uh... he never, The referee never stopped it. He was up against the ropes unconscious, and you're taught to keep throwing until somebody stops it. The hey, ref- yeah, he, he the corner, You're right. The corner intervened, and finally... And uh, uh, Jesus, yeah, I mean, he's unconscious, doesn't know where he's at. Now, Duran becomes the, the the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, and he quickly gives it up to move up and wait. Now, a couple of stories. First backdrop with Esteban De Jesus. After losing this fight, De Jesus would fight a few more years. He would fight two more years, um, losing in, in the summer of 1980, at an attempt for the junior welterweight championship, WBC version, he would get stopped by Saul Mambi, and um, he would retire. Four, uh, four years later, he would get into a, a dispute with a, with a 17-year-old, a traffic dispute, and he blows the kid away, murders him. He gets sentenced to life in prison. While in prison, he contracts, he contracts HIV and gets full-blown AIDS. A month before he dies, he gets pardoned by the governor of Puerto Rico. Esteban de Jesus dies in 1989 at the age of 37 due to complications of AIDS. Wow. So now let's talk about Duran. Uh, he, hey, he, now, Duran, after winning, after winning the undisputed title, gives it up, moves up. And a quick story I want to repeat that I've mentioned, I think, a couple of times on this program. In June of 19... 19- 79, there was a blockbuster doubleheader at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Larry Holmes defending his world title against Mike Weaver. And on the undercard, an elimination fight between former welterweight champion Carlos Palomino and Roberto Duran. The winner to get a shot at either Wilfred Benitez or Sugar Ray Leonard as they would be coming up to fight each other. So basically, the winner would fight the winner Benitez Leonard for the title. While, while um, training... While I'm sorry, during publicity of the fight, they held a press conference in in Central Park, which was open to the public. Where they had Larry Holmes, Carlos Palomino, 
uh, Don King and Roberto Durant. Larry Holmes talked to the public. Durant talked. After the press conference was over, I, w- I attended the press conference. I was 11 years old at the time. My father took uh, myself and my baby sister. My baby sister was five years old at the time. My father took us up to Larry Holmes and asked Larry Holmes for a picture autograph. And Larry Holmes said, ah, leave me alone, and he walked off. Durant saw this, and he walked up to my father. And my father's Puerto Rican, of course. And, and, and so they talk in Spanish. And Durant says, hey, you, 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 your kids are cute, especially little girl. Let me take a picture with the kids. So Durant takes a picture with us and takes a picture with my father and gives us autographs. I mean, Durant loved children. And I can see he, he wasn't just doing it for the cameras. You could tell he loved children. And I'll always remember that's the first fight I ever met. And he, was, and he was real genuine. He played with us for a couple of minutes. Then he left. Unfortunately, we lost those pictures and those autographs in a fire a year later. But as a quick, quick backdrop to before the, the um, when we talk about Durant, he was just a nice guy. Um, yeah, he but, seemed like a cool guy. And it's funny because he often played the heel. Yeah, well, because he was great. He was great at it. I mean, yeah. he was one of the greatest heels in, in boxing history. But as you can see, the next fight we talk about, he was the ultimate babyface as well. He would beat a Sugar Ray Leonard in, in 1980, in June of 80, and then lose in the subsequent no-moss fight, both fights we've covered on this program. No need to go into it. Well, first, but before we – let's just mention quickly mm-hmm. how he used uh, the psychology in that first fight just to totally – I mentioned it. It, the derogatory comments that's he made. Right, that's right. Leonard and his wife, and he, 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 he galled Leonard into a uh, – he tricked him into going into a slugfest. Second slug fight, Leonard yeah. boxes. Duran, like we mentioned – we thought he needed to take a shit, so he said, fuck this, I'm leaving. I'm take the shit, I'm going home. So he would lose to Wilfred Benitez in January of 82. Then he would lose to a nondescript fighter named Kirkland Lang later that year. And so everybody thought his career was over. Yeah, well, it seemed like, and when, when we get and to this ne- He signed to fight Pepino Cuevas, former welterweight champion, January of 1983. And that's the next fight we'll be discussing. This right. fight resurrected his career. And when we get to see him in this in this next instance, there's a very different Durant fighting Cueva, uh, Cuevas because yeah. you could. I mean, from the one we saw in the, in the in the last fight we talked about, I mean, this 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 one this Durant coming into this fight is a little more a lot more unsure of himself, doubting himself, and he starts off pretty slow in this fight, but he comes he eventually gets. Gets in there, but right. talk, the about, round, talk about how, how he gets this first, guy. The first round, Cuevas takes it to Durant, goes to the body, and I remember watching this fight with my father, and, you know, he had already lost two of his last three fights, and my father and I was like, ah, shit, if this continues, that's it. His career is over. And right. Second round, he shows some life, but I gave Cuevas the first two rounds. The third round is when you saw Durant come to life, because when they began to slug, and the commentators made a great point. But Peter Cuevas had the tendency to throw those George Foreman shots from way back here. And when, when a fighter does that, a great fighter could take advantage by punching in between those long shots. Absolutely. And, and if you look at Durant's elbows, they always stay really tight inside. So his, his punches are coming right out of his chest. I mean, they're just... And that you know, they're Durant threw short punches. Cuevas threw those George Foreman windmill shots. And a great fighter like Durant 
will take advantage. And Duran in the third round began landing inside those shots. And this is a fight where you see Duran basically resurrect, like you said, not only his career, but his confidence. Because when, when after this fight, it's almost like there's no stopping him. But, but go ahead. Uh, talk about this and in, fight. And in the fourth round, a spectacular right hand drops Cuevas. I mean, the the the, the ropes, the, the the turnbuckle held up Cuevas, and the referee quickly stepped in, or else Duran would have murdered him. But they might as well have stopped it there, because when Cuevas got up, Duran just blitzed him. Fourth round knockout, Duran gets a shot at the WBA junior middleweight champion, Davey Moore, Madison Square Garden, June 16th, 1983. Sold out Madison Square Garden. I was there with my father that night. Davey Moore was one of my favorite fighters at that time. And I thought Davey Moore was going to just outbox Duran. When I, when my father and I got to the garden that night, my father uh, grabbed me real quick and said, there's no way in the world Duran's losing. Why? 19,000 fans, 18,900 of them were rooting for, for, for Duran, even though Davey Moore's from the Bronx. The, yeah. The, 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 everybody that night was rooting for Duran. And two, it was Duran's birthday. I mean, you couldn't plan it better. And Duran, uh, he definitely was the baby face here where you saw um, uh, the other guy. He was basically just, like, doing a lot of dirty stuff. I mean, pitting after the bell. Uh, well, but Because Duran goaded him. Duran right. goaded uh, Davey Moore. Ring psychology again. Davey Moore was not a dirty fighter, but Duran got into his head that night. Yeah, and David Moore hit him after the bell after every round, intentionally. I mean, it wasn't like a... That was out of the frustration. Also, Durant was landing one dirty tactic after another. Referee never saw it. That's right. He got a thumb in the eye in the first, first round. round. First round, which David Moore fought well in, he got thumbed in the eye. And while Durant would have won anyway, that sure didn't help. That eventually led to his eye foot. His that, eye closing. That, that led to his eye being completely shut. Yeah, and I mean, when you looked at his face after just a few rounds, it was just, the guy was just completely destroyed. And and you could see the look in Duran's eye of just, you know, just total domination, total, the, the, Durant, the eye of the tiger. <laughs> Durant in this fight had a tenacious, the two greatest fights I've ever seen, body work just dominate a fight, was his first fight with Leonard with Davey Moore. Those are the two greatest examples of how body work could just wear a guy down. He was landing some hellacious hooks to the body, and they were just whipping the air out of Davey Moore. But this was like a different fight than his fight with uh, with Cuevas or with the previous fight we talked about, because it looked like he... I mean, you could see it. Duran... He's not a one-dimensional fighter by any means. He fights a different fight according to who he's fighting. He's going to the body. He's boxing from the outside. He's making he's making David Moore miss. He's a complete fighter in this fight. Just this is his greatest performance of his career, and that says something for a man who was the first Latin fighter to win four titles in four divisions, who who has fought all over the world and has fought everybody. If you look at Durant's record, his resume. He fought the greatest of the greats. Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Wilfred Benitez, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. He fought them all in his career, and this was his greatest performance. That's saying a lot. 
Indeed, and he was definitely a uh, like a, a, just a, a multi-dimensional attack, and and all the time thinking. You could tell he was thinking, and uh, and this and, the, and that ring psychology, man, just being able to get under the skin of his opponents, frustrate them, make them go after him in a way that wasn't wise, and he would catch them. His counter punching was unbelievable. I mean, that that's another thing that uh, he, he he really had down. Again, uh, in this fight, just like in the 12th round against the Jesus, in the 7th round against Moore, he lands a right hand that, that knocks Moore to the floor and his head bounces off the ropes. They should have stopped the fight right then and there because the beating that Moore took afterwards helped, helped uh, destroy his career. He took such a beating to the body. I, I, there was one instance where he gives him a, a, a hit in the corner, and the guy is lifted off the ground by the punch. I mean, it's just a uh, unbelievable. Uh, after getting knocked down, after he knocks down Moore in the seventh round, he attacks Moore in the corner and then laces Moore's face with his clubs. <laughs> yeah, just, it's just a uh, unbelievable uh, performance. You're right. And now when he when he uh, came back and he's, you know, it looked like he, you know, Duran is back, you know? And so talk about the rest of his career after this. All right. After he beats Moore in this fight, his next fight is in November of 83 against the greatest softball of all time, marvelous Marvin Hagler, one of the greatest fighters of all time. So you have in the ring two of the ten greatest fighters of all time, period. End of story. Hagler, Duran. And Hagler shows Duran so much respect that it's a scientific boxing contest for the first 14 rounds where both guys are trying to outbox the other. Hagler um, is told before the 15th round, look, even though we know you're winning, the judges might not have you winning. And the fight was even going into the last round unbeknownst to Hagler. In the 15th round, Hagler's aggressive, and he beats Duran from pillar to post, which earns him the decision. Uh, I gave Hagler 10 rounds in that fight, but I got to give Duran credit. He stayed with one of the greatest fighters of all time, and he, the respect that Hagler showed Duran in that fight is, uh, is, is a credit to, to, to his legacy, a credit to the respect, the greatness of Roberto Duran. So after losing to Hagler in his bid for the middleweight championship, he fights Tommy Hearns the day before his 33rd birthday in June of 1984, and Hearns just destroys him. Hearns knocks him down four or five times, and the only time Durant can't get up, he, he puts Durant asleep. It's a fight we chronicled in the very first episode of this of, of the Greatest Performances program, Tom, uh, Tommy Hearns against Durant. Durant gets it with a right hand, goes down face first, and is out for 15 minutes. I wonder if uh, that younger Durant that we saw in the first fight we talked about would have done better against this uh, this guy. I mean, they, Tommy Hearns yeah, he Tommy Hearns six foot two, Durant was five foot eight. That was never a good matchup. Well, I, but you know he was so fast and he was so never, good at never, never, never. never. <laughs> well, that there, guy they, Durant would have never beaten. They would have fought a hundred times, hundred times. He would have been put to sleep. It's just bad, bad, bad style, bad, bad, bad matchup of styles. But Ernst is, uh, you know, a master jabber, and like that's that's the one hey, thing you hey, can't hey, out jab Ernst. Hey, that right cross that put on, that's a bad. That was a bad match for Duran, and I remember when the when the fight was signed, my father's like, you know what, we're going to go see this in closed circuit, but we got to make sure to pay attention because this fight's not going to last too long. 
Hearns, yeah, man. Round. After losing to Hearns, then Durant goes into another tailspin where he loses a couple of fights he shouldn't have lost to. In June of 86, he loses to Marvin Hagler's brother, Robbie Sims. Robbie Sims. So Hagler has the distinction of losing to both uh, Marvin Hagler and his brother, Robbie Sims. And so his career is thought of as done. Then he gets a shot in February of 1989 at the WBC middleweight champion, Iran Barkley, and beats Barkley in the 1989 fight of the year, a fight we covered on the greatest fights of all time. And once again, his career is resurrected. That fight, when he becomes the first uh, Latin fighter to win four titles and four weight divisions, and that fight get, gets him a role in the Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor movie with the Harlem Knights, and it gets him a third fight with Sugar Ray Leonard, which was a dreadful fight, December of 1989, a horrible fight, a fight, no action whatsoever. Leonard wins a very dull 12-round decision, and basically... That's the end of Durant's career. Durant would fight another 13, 14 years, and he would, but never, n- n- none of his fights were, were anything where where it would add to his legacy. His uh, his last fight with Leonard, yeah, it was uh, two old old geezers fighting. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you're right. And and when you have uh, uh, you know those two names in a fight, though, I'm sure the fight did pretty well, though. Uh, I we went to see it in the garden that night, and it was half empty. Really? Uh, I mean, it was on close circuit, not 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 the actual. You know, we went to the garden that night to see it, and it was half empty. So, so maybe it's, uh, not. It was. Yeah, the luster had come off the the Duran Leonard series. They fought eight years too late of the third fight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in any case, uh, a great career and definitely uh, one of the uh, most uh, memorable fighters to come along. His, uh, his, his, I mean, talk about his life. I mean, was he was was he somebody who drank a lot, or did he have a yeah, drinking problem? In between, he would he didn't drink while he trained, but in between fights, he would balloon fifty, sixty pounds overweight because he loved beer and he loved junk food. He loved chicken. He loved all the, you know, Spanish foods that could fatten you up. And um, <laughs> he indul- he overindulged in, in, in that stuff between fights. I mean, he would have to lose. Like, Sugar Ray Leonard knew this, and we we just discussed this when we talked about the No Moss documentary. Sugar Ray Leonard got Duran in a quick rematch because he knew Duran would blow, would, would, would blow himself up and he would have to lose the weight too quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, he just—I just thought he's like one of the most manly of fighters when you think about well, it. Like he comes to alpha males, he's up there, top five. <laughs> I mean, just uh, you know, when you when you see him in the ring, it's just such a—he uh, doesn't run, you know. He, he's not one of these like slick like Mayweather and, fighters. And wherever he, this man is Panamanian, but when it comes to uh, universal, I'm talking about among Hispanics whether it's Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Argentinians, Cubans, wherever he went, they came and they rooted for him, even if he was fighting against their countrymen. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a lot of a lot of fans. And he also, he seemed to, anytime he got into a slugfest, that was, that was, he could win that, right? I mean, it's just like... Him in the slugfest. You were not beating Roberto Duran in a slugfest. <laughs> 
so while he didn't like constantly seek out slugfest, and a lot of people caught, thought of him as a slugger, he was a much more scientific no, fighter than he, people he, think. That 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 would be just labeling him wrong. He was much more than that. He was a complete fighter. Yeah, yeah, and and he was uh, he was also just a uh, like you said a gentleman outside the ring. But uh, I guess he had his demons too. Oh, and when it came when it came to his opponents, I mean he would he would fuck with them and he he would he would piss them off. Doesn't mean look he pissed off Sugar Ray Leonard and still did a commercial with his son and Sugar Ray Leonard's son feeling seven up. Do it after that fight. So he's talking all this shit, but he still did a commercial with the guy. <laughs> so what would a prime, uh, what would a prime Durant do with uh, a, a prime Mayweather? Ninth, tenth round, eleventh, twelfth round. He would stop Mayweather late because he would beat the hell out that body. Mm. Yeah, he's a, he's got I that. I uh, would have loved to seen a lightweight fight between Mayweather and Durant. That would have been spectacular. But at welterweight. Uh, Durant knocks out Mayweather. Lightweight, uh, Mayweather has a type of style that gave Durant problems, so it would be a tough fight. It would, I would give, Dur- I would have Durant winning by a, either a majority or split decision. It would be a tough fight, but Durant wins because I think his body work would wear Floyd down late in the fight. And I would, that would be a great fight. Durant would force Floyd to fight. Um, let me, uh, Durant versus Purdue Whitaker would have been a similar fight. Would have been a great great fight at lightweight, because in my opinion, those are the two greatest lightweights of all time, Roberto Duran and Pernell Whitaker. And Whitaker's movement, defense, and softball, softball, uh, softball style would have given Duran um, some headaches. But Duran, the great equalizer, body work. He, he makes sure he goes to that body. And the chin, uh, the unbelievable chin. I mean, well, uh, those guys are going to hurt Duran. No, neither one is going to hurt Duran. Mayweather nor, nor Whitaker is going to hurt Duran. So so we got uh and by the way, they are they are filming a movie. They're almost done filming a movie on Duran's life, No Mas, where Roberto Duran um is played. I forgot uh, Edgar Ramirez, I think is the actor. I know I don't know anything about him, but you've got some great act Robert De Niro is playing the legendary Ray Arcel, who's Duran's trainer, the guy who discovered him, who trained him for the first for his great run as lightweight champion and his two fights with Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, Ellen Barkett is playing Ray Arcel's wife, and Usher is playing Sugar Ray Leonard, and he looks just like a motherfucker. <laughs> really, Usher playing Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray, complete with the with the Sugar Ray afro. <laughs> wow, amazing! And are, is uh, is that that movie coming out in 2015 or what? It's due to be released next year. All right, man, looking forward to that. So they they got uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, now, did they, they? They you say they made up? Everything's good between them now, huh? Yeah, remember we talked about that in the, when we talked about Sugar Ray Leonard's greatest performances. Remember they met up in in um in um the Roberto Duran Arena in Panama, and Sugar Ray asked him, "Why did you quit?" You know that that fight bothers Sugar Ray more than it bothers Duran. Duran right past that, but Sugar Ray still is it's still it's still irksome because people do not give him total credit for that fight because it's the fight that. Durant quit, not the fight that Leonard made Durant quit. Well, still though, it was humiliating for Durant. And uh... oh, oh, let me tell you something: after he quit that fight, he couldn't go back to Panama for two, three years. He lived in Miami, and he was in exile in Miami. So he was—they really turned on him, huh? He, oh, he was excommunicated. 
Yeah, man. I mean, he got a lot of shit for that. A lot of shit. And it was uh, it was kind of brave when you think about it for him to do. I mean, after all the shit he got. So, Dude, that's uh, the type of guy he is. He, when it, once he made his mind up, he said, fuck it. I'm out of here. Hey, man, if he knew that wasn't his night, you know, what's the big deal? And if you were like, you said, I, I was uh, thinking, man, he had to take a shit. Fuck it, look. This guy is running. He, he fucking making a fool out of me. Look, let me go take this shit, take a shower, and go home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess he figured he might, might get a, a match sooner than he did, uh, another match with him. But, uh, but yeah, so 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 just some, some great stuff there. And, and you know, <clears throat> just a clinic in, in boxing. I mean, if you're a boxer, you know, around, of his stature, you got to look at his fights. I mean, and I don't know anybody since that has duplicated that style. I mean, this guy had a style unto his own. It's like the drunken barroom fighter, you know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he just had that quality of just like being able to fight, you know, no matter how tired he was, and and throwing those jabs. I mean, he must be throwing like a thousand jabs. And I never saw a fight in Duran's career where he was exhausted at the end of a fight. He had right. as much energy in the fifteenth round as he did in the first round. Yeah, his, his energy was unbelievable. It really was. You, you had to you had to hurt him to uh, to get it out of him. But uh, all right, man. Well, uh, we're about to cut off here. So uh, wh- who we got next? Oh, oh man, I got so many fighters I want to. Oh yes, Mark Two Sharp Jacks uh, Johnson. Mark Two Sharp Johnson, a name very unfamiliar with a lot of casual fight fans. Hardcore fans would know him as the greatest African-American flyweight champion of all time. Within the last few years, a recent inductee to the International Boxing Hall of Fame, Mark Tushop Johnson, a guy who many guys ducked because, as you will see when we talk about him, the man was too sharp. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're looking forward to that in a couple weeks, and uh, we'll talk to you then, man. We'll talk also uh, Silver Linings Playbook on the movie podcast tomorrow. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow, big man. Good night. Good night. Thanks, everybody, for listening to World Championship Boxing on superfriendsuniverse.com, the epitome of manliness.